Good morning from my corner of the universe. Uh, today's aesthetic is everything outside is wet and muggy and everything inside is inside. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that thought. Uh, more coffee, more doggo looking out the window. Apparently this is just how we spend our mornings, uh, but we're getting ready to go into chapter two and this is when we are finally entering Oasis. And I'm excited for this part. This is the, the part of the world that I really enjoy, is just this whole built out virtual reality. So pretty stoked. Gotta remember how to pronounce this guy's name. I'm pretty sure it's Parsival. I'll make sure, I'll look it up just to be sure, but that's how I've always said it in my mind. So chapter two. <clears throat> my avatar materialized in front of my locker on the second floor of my high school, the exact spot where I'd been standing when I logged out the night before. I glanced up and down the hallway. My virtual surroundings looked almost, but not quite, real. Everything inside the Oasis was beautifully rendered in three dimensions. Unless you pulled focus and stopped to examine your surroundings more closely, it was easy to forget that everything you were seeing was computer-generated. And that was with my crappy school-issued Oasis console. I heard that if you had access the, oh, I heard that if you accessed the simulation with a new state-of-the-art immersion rig, it was almost impossible to tell the Oasis from reality. Alright, side note. This is this is a terrifying concept for me. As my I love virtual reality, I love technology, I love the idea of immersion. I feel that it has a lot of great benefit for people. Um, you know, once this whole quarantine started, a lot of concerts and tours were put online virtually. And that actually started reaching an audience that I feel we had been unaware of before. Uh, for example, you know, people who might be bedridden, um, who are very mentally capable and aware, but physically not capable of getting out and about. And you still need mental stimulation. You, you need that in order to thrive as a person, in order for your well-being, your mental state to be satisfied. You need stimulation. Um, so there was a a new segment about this woman who she loves it. She's like, I get to go to her museums. There've been concerts. I've been seeing bands online. She's like, I don't want this part of technology to stop after we're able to truly be back outside and after things start kind of going back to normal. So that part is such a positive for me. Obviously the scary part is people who take it too far. You know, there's, there's a lot of people who use video games for an escape, and I don't see a problem with that. You know, everybody has their form of escapism, but it's just the matter of people who live in it and people who reject everything outside of that reality. Um, and they build relationships that maybe aren't real inside a video game. And I don't know, that's just kind of the scary part for me. And I understand that's like, not the common thing to happen. Um, technology's just wild, man. It really is. <sighs> I touched my locker door and it popped open with a soft metallic click. The inside was sparsely decorated. A picture of Princess Leia posing with a blaster pistol. Thank you, Ernest Klein, for doing that and not Princess Leia in her gold bikini. Just saying. A group photo of the members of Monty Python and their Holy Grail costumes. James Halliday's Time Magazine cover. I reached up and tapped the stack of textbooks on the locker's top shelf and they vanished, then reappeared in my avatar's item inventory. Aside from my textbook, 
Aside from my textbooks, my avatar only had a few meager possessions. A flashlight, an iron short sword, a small bronze shield, and a suit of banded leather armor. These items were all non-magical and of low quality, but they were the best I could afford. Items in the oasis had just as much value as things in the real world, sometimes more, and you couldn't pay for them with food vouchers. The oasis credit was the coin of the realm, and in these dark times, it was also one of the world's most stable currencies, valued higher than the dollar, pound, euro, or yen. A small mirror was mounted inside my locker door, and I caught a glimpse of my virtual self as I closed it. I designed my avatar's face and body to look more or less like my own. <laughs> my avatar had a slightly smaller nose than me, and, and he was taller, and thinner, and more muscular, and he didn't have any teenage acne. But aside from these minor details, we looked more or less identical. <laughs> I feel that. I feel attacked right now. The school's strictly enforced dress code required that all student avatars be human and of the same gender and age as of the student. No giant two-headed hermaphrodite demon unicorn avatars were allowed. Not on school grounds anyway. Now I really feel attacked. Ugh. You can give your Oasis avatar any name you liked as long as it was unique, meaning you had to pick a name that hadn't really been taken by someone else. Your avatar's name was also your email address and chat ID, so you wanted it to be cool and easy to remember. Celebrities have been known to pay huge sums of money to buy an avatar name they wanted from a cyber squatter who had already reserved it. When I first created my Oasis account, I named my avatar Wade underscore the underscore great. After that, it kept changing every few months, usually to something equally ridiculous. But my avatar had now had the same name for over five years. On the day the hunt began, the day I decided to become a gunter, I'd renamed my avatar to Parsifal after the knight of Arthurian legend who had found the Holy Grail. The other more common spellings of the knight's name, Percival and Percival, had already begin, been taken by others, but I preferred the name Parsifal anyway. I thought it had a nice ring to it. Okay, that's where I was getting confused, because I do remember his name being a play on Percival, um, and that's why I was like, am I pronouncing this right? But in the book, it's spelled P-A-R-Z-I-V-A-L, so Parsival is what I'm going with. People rarely use their real names online. Good. Uh, anonymity, oh god, anonymity, that is a word I have problems with. Being anonymous was one of the major perks of the Oasis. Inside the simulation, no one knew who you really were unless you wanted them to. Much of the Oasis's popularity and culture were built around this fact. Your real name, fingerprints, and retinal patterns were stored in your Oasis account, but, but, but gregarious simulation systems kept that information encrypted and confidential. Even GSS's own employees could look up and couldn't look up an avatar's true identity. Back when Halliday was still running the company, GSS had won the right to keep every Oasis user identities. <sighs> this whole paragraph is a nightmare right now. I apologize. Let me try that again. Back when Halliday was still running the company, GSS had won the right to keep every Oasis user's identity private in a landmark Supreme Court ruling. That would be a big deal. The fact that they're able to keep everyone's avatar identity a secret that's like completely unheard of when i first enrolled in the oasis public school system i was required to give them my real name avatar name mailing address and a social security number that information was stored in my student profile but only my principal had access to that none of my teachers or fellow students knew who i really was and vice versa Students weren't allowed to use their avatar names while they were at school. This was to prevent teachers from having to say ridiculous things like, Pimp Grease, please pay attention, or Big Wang 69, would you stand up and give us your book report? 
Instead, students were required to use their real first names followed by a number to differentiate them from other students with the same name. When I was enrolled, there were already two other students at my school with the first name Wade, so I'd been assigned the student ID of Wade 3. That name floated above my avatar's head whenever I was on school grounds. The school bell rang, and a warning flashed in the corner of my display, informing me that I had 40 minutes until the start of my first period. That's a lot of time. I began to walk my avatar down the hall using a series of subtle hand motions to control its movements and actions. I could also use voice commands to move around if my hands were otherwise occupied. Oh, oh, oh having a hiccup. That was weird. I strolled in the direction of my world history classroom, smiling and waving to the familiar faces I passed. I was going to miss this place when I graduated in a few months. I wasn't looking forward to leaving school. I didn't have the money to attend college, not even the one in Oasis. My grades weren't good enough for a scholarship. My only plan after, plan after graduation was to become a full-time gunter. I didn't have much choice. Winning the contest was my one chance of escaping the stacks. Unless I wanted to sign a five-year indenturement contract with some corporation, and that was about as appealing to me as rolling around in broken glass in my birthday suit. Oh, young, young soul. We all feel that way. And yet we all give in. As I continued down the hallway, other students began to materialize. As I continued down the hallway, other students began to materialize in front of their lockers. Ghostly apparitions that rapidly solidified. The sound of chattering teenagers began to echo up and down the corridor. Before long, I heard an insult hurled in my direction. Hey, hey! If it isn't Wade three, I heard a voice shout. I turned and saw Todd thirteen. Ugh. An obnoxious avatar I recognized from an Algebra 2 class. He was standing with several of his friends. Great outfit, slick, he said. Where'd you snag the sweet threads? My avatar was wearing a black t-shirt and blue jeans, one of the free default skins you could select when you created your account. Like his crow magnon friends, Todd13 wore an expensive di- designer skin, probably purchased at some off-world mall. Your mom bought them for me, I retorted without breaking my stride. Tell her I said thanks the next time you stop at home to breastfeed and pick up your allowance. Childish, I know, but virtual or not, this was still high school. The more childish an insult, the more effective it was. My jab elicited laughter from a few of his friends and the other students standing nearby. Todd 13 scowled and his face actually turned red, a sign that he hadn't bothered to turn off his account's real-time emotion feature, which made your avatar mirror your facial expression and body language. He was about to reply, but I muted him first, so I didn't hear what he said. Mute the haters 2020. I just smiled and continued on my way. The ability to mute my peers was one of my favorite things about attending school online, and I took advantage of it almost daily. The best thing about it was that they could see that you'd muted them, and they couldn't do a damn thing about it. There was never any fighting on school grounds. The simulation simply didn't allow it. The entire planet of Ludus was a no-PVP zone, meaning that no player versus player combat was permitted. At this school, the only real weapons were words, so I'd become skilled at wielding them. Uh, I just want you guys to know that I looked over at my dog, and he's laying on the couch like a renaissance painting. Like, (laughs) he's got his head up on a pillow, and the sunlight is pouring in, and it looks very dramatic, and I love it. All right. I'd attended school in the real world up until the sixth grade. It hadn't been a very pleasant experience. I was a painfully shy, awkward kid with low self-esteem and almost no social skills, a side effect of spending most of my childhood inside the Oasis. Online, I didn't have a problem talking to people or making friends, but in the real world, interacting with other people, especially kids my own age, 
That made me a nervous wreck. I never knew how to act or what to say, and, and when I did work up the courage to speak, I always seemed to say the wrong thing. My appearance was part of the problem. I was overweight and had been for as long as I could remember. My bankrupt diet of government-subsidized sugar and starch-laden food was a contributing factor, but I was also an oasis addict, so the only exercise I usually got back then was running away from bullies before and after school. To make matters worse, my limited wardrobe consisted entirely of ill-fitting clothes from thrift stores and donation bins, the social equivalent of having a bullseye painted on my forehead. Even so, I tried my best to fit in. Year after year, my eyes would scan the lunchroom like a T-1000, searching for a clique that might accept me. But even the outcasts wanted nothing to do with me. I was too weird, even for the weirdos. And girls? <laughs> Talking to girls was out of the question. To me, they were like some exotic alien species, both beautiful and terrifying. Whenever I got near one of them, I invariably broke out in a cold sweat and lost the ability to speak in complete sentences. For me, school had been a Darwinian exercise. A daily gauntlet of ridicule, abuse, and isolation. By the time I entered sixth grade, I was beginning to wonder if I'd be able to maintain my sanity until graduation, still six long years away. Then, one glorious day, our principal announced that any student with a passing grade point average could apply for a transfer to the new Oasis public school system. The real public school system, the one run by the government, had been an underfunded, overcrowded train wreck for decades. Okay, try centuries. Let's go with centuries on that one. And now the conditions at many schools had gotten so terrible that every kid with half a brain was being encouraged to stay at home and attend school online. Oh man, this is hitting a little too close to home right now. I nearly broke my neck sprinting to the school office to submit my application. It was accepted and I transferred to Oasis Public School number 1873 the following semester. Prior to my transfer, my Oasis avatar had never left Incipio, the planet at the center of Sector 1 where new avatars respond at the time of their creation. There wasn't much to do on Incipio except chat with other noobs or shop in one of the giant virtual malls that covered the planet. If you wanted to go somewhere more interesting, you had to pay a teleportation fare to get there, and that cost money, something I didn't have. So my avatar was stranded on Incipio. That is, until my new school emailed me a teleportation voucher to cover the cost of my avatar's transport to Ludus, the planet where all of the Oasis public schools were located. There were hundreds of school campuses here on Ludus, spread out evenly across the planet's surface. The schools were all identical because the same construction code was copied and pasted into a different location whenever a new school was needed. And since the buildings were just pieces of software, their design wasn't limited by monetary constraints or even by the law of physics. So every school is a grand place of learning <laughs> Ooh. with polished marble highways, cathedral-like classrooms, zero-G gymnasiums, and virtual libraries containing every school board-approved book ever written. On my first day at OPS number 1873, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Now, instead of running a gauntlet of bullies and drug addicts in my walk to school each morning, I went straight to my hideout and stayed there all day. Best of all, in the Oasis, no one could tell that I was fat, that I had acne, or that I wore the same shabby clothes every week. Bullies couldn't pelt me with spitballs, give me atomic wedgies, or pummel me by the bike rack after school. No one could even touch me here. No one could even touch me here. <laughs> in here, I was safe. I mean, like a weird, no one could even touch me. <laughs> uh, I like leaving these unedited so you guys can hear all the, the stupidity that happens when I try to read out loud. When I arrived in my world history classroom, several students were already seated at their desks. Their avatars all sat motionless with their eyes closed. 
This was a signal that they were engaged, meaning they were currently on phone calls, browsing the web, or logged into chat rooms. It was poor Oasis etiquette to try to talk to an engaged avatar. They usually just ignored you, and you'd get an automated message telling you to piss off. I took a seat at my desk and tapped the engage icon at the edge of my display. My own avatar's eyes slid shut, but I could still see my surroundings. I tapped another icon, and a large two-dimensional web browser window appeared, suspended in space directly in front of me. Windows like this weren't visible to only my avatar, so no one could read over my shoulder, unless I selected the option to allow it. My homepage was set to The Hatchery, one of the more popular Gunter message forums. The Hatchery's site interface was designed to look and operate like an old pre-internet dial-up bulletin board system, complete with the screech of a 300 baud modem during the login sequence. Oh lord. Very cool. (laughs) Different reactions here. Um, I spent a few minutes scanning the most recent message threads, taking in the latest Gunter news and rumors. I rarely posted anything to the boards, even though I made sure to check them every day. I didn't see much of interest this morning. The usual Gunter clan flame wars. Ongoing arguments about the correct interpretation of some cryptic passage in Anorak's almanac. High-level avatars bragging about some new magic item or artifact they obtained. This crap had been going on for years now. In the absence of any real progress, Gunter's subculture had become mired in bravado, bullshit, and pointless infighting. It was sad, really. My favorite message threads were those devoted to bashing the Sixers. Sixers was the derogatory nickname Gunters had given to the employees of Innovated Online Industries, IOI, pronounced IOI, in case you didn't know, was a global communications conglomerate and the world's largest internet service provider. A large portion of IOI's business centered around providing access to the Oasis and on selling goods and services inside it. For this reason, IOI had attempted several hostile, hostile takeovers of gregarious simulation system, all of which had failed. Now they're trying to seize control of GSS by exploiting a loophole in Halliday's will. IOI had created a new department within the company that they called their Oology Oola, Division, I guess. Oology was originally defined as the science of studying birds' eggs, but in recent years it had taken on a second meaning, the science of searching for Halliday's Easter egg. IOI's Oology Division had but one purpose to win Halliday's contest and seize control of his fortune, his company, and the Oasis itself. Like most Gunters, I was horrified at thought of IOI taking control of the Oasis. The company's PR machine had made, it, had made its intentions crystal clear. IOI believed that Holiday never properly monetized his creation, and they wanted to remedy that. They would start charging a monthly fee for access to the simulation. They would plaster advertisements on every visible surface. User an an this fucking word user anonymity and free speech would become things of the past. The moment IOI took it over, the Oasis would cease to be the open source virtual utopia had grown up in. It would become a corporate run dystopia, an overpriced theme park for wealthy elitists. Well, that sounds like America. She says, casually sipping her coffee. IOI required its egg hunters, which it referred to as oologists, to use their employee numbers as their Oasis avatar names. These numbers were all six digits in length, and they usually began with the numeral six, so everyone became calling them the Sixers. These days, most Gunters refer to them as the Suckzors, because they sucked. And for the record, that's spelled (laughs) S-U-X-0-R-Z, because internet. (laughs) Funny. To become a Sixer, you had to sign a contract stipulating, among other things, that if you found Halliday's egg, the prize would become the sole property of your employer. 
In return, IOI gave you a bi-monthly paycheck, food, lodging, healthcare benefits, and retirement plan. The company also provided your avatar with high-end armor, vehicles, and weapons, and covered all of your teleportation fares. Joining the Sixers was a lot like joining the military, except online, I guess. Sixers weren't hard to spot because they all looked identical. They were all required to use the same hulking male avatar, regardless of the operator's true gender, with close-cropped dark hair and facial features left at the system default settings, and they all wore the same navy blue uniform. The only way to tell these corporate drones apart was by checking the six-digit employee number stamped on their right breast, just beneath the IOI corporate logo. Like most gunters, I loathed the Sixers and was disgusted by their very existence. By hiring an army of contract egg hunters, IOI was perverting the entire spirit of the contest. Of course, it could be argued that all the gunters who had joined clans were doing the same thing. There were now hundreds of gunter clans, some with thousands, thousands of members, all working together to find the egg. Each clan was bound by an ironclad legal agreement stating that if one clan member won the contest, all members would share the prize. Solos like me didn't care much for the clans either, but we still respected them as fellow gunters. Unlike the Sixers, whose goal was to hand the Oasis over to an evil multinational conglomerate intent on ruining it. My generation had never known a world without the Oasis. To us, it was much more than a game or an entertainment platform. It had been an integral part of our lives for as far back as we could remember. We had been born into an ugly world, and the Oasis was, one of, was, bleh, was our one happy refuge. The thought of the simulation being privatized and homogenized by IOI horrified us in a way that those born before its introduction found difficult to understand. For us, it was like something threatening to take away the sun or charge a fee to look up at the sky. The Sixers gave Gunters a common enemy, and Sixer bashing was a favorite pastime in our forums and chat rooms. A lot of high-level Gunters had a strict policy of killing, or trying to kill, every Sixer who crossed their path. Several websites were devoted to tracking Sixer activities and movements, and some Gunters spent more time hunting the Sixers than they did searching for the egg. The bigger clans actually held a yearly competition called 86 the Sixers, with a prize for the clan who managed to kill the largest number of them. After checking a few other Gunter forums, I tapped a bookmark icon for one of my favorite websites, Artsy's Missives, the blog of a female Gunter named Artemis, pronounced Artemis. <laughs> so in the book, it's spelled A-R-T-3-M-I-S. I discovered it about three years ago and had been a loyal reader ever since. She posted these great rambling essays about her search for Halliday's egg, which she called a maddening MacGuffin hunt. She wrote with an endearing, intelligent voice, and her entries are filled with self-deprecating humor and witty, sardonic asides. In addition to posting her, often hysterical, interpretations of passages in the almanac, she also linked to the books, movies, TV shows, and music she was currently studying as part of her holiday research. I assumed that all these posts were filled with misdirection and misinformation, but they were still highly entertaining. It probably goes without saying that I had a massive cyber crush on Artemis. She occasionally posted screenshots of her raven-haired avatar, and I sometimes, always, saved them to a folder on my hard drive. Ooh, that's weird. Her avatar had a pretty face, but it wasn't unnaturally perfect. In the Oasis, you got used to seeing a freakishly beautiful face on everyone, but Artemis's features didn't look as though they'd been selected from a beauty drop-down menu on some avatar creation template. Her face had the distinctive look of a real person's, as if her true features had been scanned in and mapped onto her avatar big hazel eyes, rounded cheekbones, a pointy chin, and a perpetual smirk. I found her unbearably attractive. Artemis's body was also somewhat unusual. Oh, that's a nice thing to say. 
In the Oasis, you usually saw one of two body shapes on female avatars, the absurdly thin yet wildly popular supermodel frame, or the top-heavy, wasp-waisted porn starlet physique, which looked even less natural in the Oasis than it did in the real world. But Artemis' frame was short and Rubenesque, all curves. I knew the crush I had on Artemis was both silly and ill-advised. What did I really know about her? She'd never revealed her true identity, of course, or her age or location in the real world. There was no telling what she really looked like. She could be 15 or 50. A lot of gunters even questioned whether she was really female, but I wasn't one of them. Probably because I couldn't bear the idea that the girl with whom I was virtually smitten might actually be some middle-aged dude named Chuck with back hair and male pattern baldness. In the years since I'd first started reading Artie's Missives, it had become one of the most popular blogs on the internet, now logging several million hits a day. And Artemis was now something of celebrity, at least in Gunter circles. But fame hadn't gone to her head. Her writing was still as funny and self-deprecating as ever. Her newest blog post was titled The John Hughes Blues, and it was an in-depth treatise, 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 I don't know what that word is, on her favorite, six favorite John Hughes teen movies, which she divided into two separate trilogies, the Dorky Girl Fantasy Trilogy, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, and Some Kind of Wonderful, and the Dorky Boy Fantasies Trilogy, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Just as I'd finished reading it, an instant message window popped up on my display. It was my best friend, H. Okay, if you want to split hairs, he was my only friend, not counting Mrs. Gilmore. Alright, this is in a chat format. So H says, Top of the morning, amigo. Percival. Hola, compadre. H. What are you up to? Percival. Just surfing the turf. You? H. Got the basement online. Come and hang out before school, fool. Percival. Sweet. I'll be there in a sec. I closed the IM window and checked the time. I still had about half an hour until class started. I grinned and tapped a small door icon at the edge of my display, then selected H's chat room from my la- uh, he- whoop. I really wanted to go out because this is the last paragraph of the chapter. I really wanted to nail it and make it good. So I'm redoing it. I closed the IM window and checked the time. I still had about half an hour until class started. I grinned and tapped a small door icon at the edge of my display, then selected H's chat room for my list of favorites. End of chapter two.